Thank you, Dr. Cohen. I have to uh, thank the Cohens, especially for supporting this year that's given in Yushalayim on Thursday nights, and which can be heard in Milwaukee before it's given in Yushalayim. Because I give it in Yushalayim at 8 o'clock at night, and by 11 o'clock at night, it's on the, there's a podcast on the internet. And so 11 o'clock at night, it was what time in Milwaukee? Okay, yeah, it's not clear, right? But, <laughs> but everybody agrees that it's before, everybody agrees it's before 8 o'clock, right? Okay. Um, this sheet was made up for a shear given in Yerushalayim, where we assume naturally that everybody speaks, reads, writes Hebrew very well. So I'm going to try to add some English translation of the basic texts that I'm going to use today. And that way, make it a little bit more palpable. Nothing I ever teach is very palpable. And that's not my intention. My intention is to tell you what I think. And that's always annoying. <laughs> so we're going to talk about one pasuk. One pasuk in the Torah. The pasuk says, when Moshe Rabbeinu, before the Torah was given to B'nai Yisrael, there were preparatory statements that were made by Moshe Rabbeinu to B'nai Yisrael that he learned about from HaKadosh Baruch. Those psukim, or to the psukim, are peregutet, the two psukim that are written here, on the sheet. So if you look at the sheet, it says Vata. Vata means and now. But now, not in the time sense of now, but in the let's heads up. Ata. Heads up. Im If you will listen to my voice. Shamar Tishma'u, in Hebrew that's called Lashon Nofel Alashon. A word falling upon a word. Lashon Nofel Alashon. And that means that you use two words where you could just as easily use one. And since, as you know, we are trained by Rashi, and Rashi always tried to help us understand that every word in the Torah counts. So whenever the Torah does this trick of saying two words instead of one, so we wonder. So even though it's an easy word, Shamoa, the combination of words, Shamoa Tishmu'u, is difficult. So let's do it again, Vata. And now, in Shema Tishma'u, I can't translate it any other way except if you will listen. I don't know what the double use of the language means. Right? At least we'll leave that out for the moment. Bikoli. The word koli means a voice. So now, if you listen to my voice, Ushmartem et briti, Ushmartem, and you'll keep, and you will watch. And you will take care of my covenant. 
Briti means covenant. That's good. Most people haven't got a clue as to what a covenant is. So, it's always good to translate a Hebrew word by an English word that no one understands. Because when you translate it into an English word that you don't understand, no one ever asks. <laughs> ever. So it's a teacher's boon. You have to know that if you want to teach something, all you have to do is translate it incomprehensibly. And everybody will be smiling. Shmartem Briti means you will be watchful of the covenant. Now we come to the hard part. Up to now, it wasn't so hard. It's just incomprehensible. That's not hard. But listen to this. And you will be for me, God speaking, you will be for me, skula. Skula, I don't know what it means. I don't know what the word means. But just because, uh, uh, you know, it's lying here, the art scroll translation of the Chumash, which is the Bible of the Latter-day Saints. <laughs> I hope you don't know what that is. It says, it says here, Right? You will be to me the most beloved treasure of all the peoples. Now, I don't know. There are a lot of words in Hebrew that mean treasure. If somebody wanted to say, I have a treasure, he would probably not say, Yeshli Skula. But that's what, that's what Art Scroll says. It says you can no longer argue with Art Scroll. So we write that down. We make note of that opinion. But I'm interested in that word skula, which I don't understand. And I don't understand what God means if God says, it will be to me a treasure. What does that mean? What could God possibly be saying? And then the last clause in the Pasuk, the last clause of the Pasuk is Ki li kol ha'aretz. Ki li kol ha'aretz. For to me is all the land. All the land in the world. Now this is called a non sequitur. And if you wrote this in a composition in the fourth grade, the teacher would mark it with a red pencil X. What does the land is mine, have to do with you are a treasure. What possible connection is there? I mean, okay, it doesn't make any sense. But it's a weird Jewish. We're used to it not making sense. We'll look again. Dig at it. What possible connection might there be? So this is the mystery in the verse. The mystery in the verse consists of these two matters. What does the word skula mean? And finally, what is the sequence in which the Torah says, God says, you will be for me a skula? And then, kili kola aretz, because the land is mine. What could that possibly be? And here, Otsko does not help, because Otsko hides behind literal translation. 
You know what that means? That if you don't understand it, you can translate it instead. Which is why children who learn in English don't generally fare any better than children who learn in Hebrew. Because they end up with the same incomprehensible text. I mean, what difference does it make if you don't understand it in Hebrew or you don't understand it in English? The difference is only that you could probably read the English faster. But I'm not sure that that's a great educational goal. That's what the Pesukim say. Now, let's look at Rashi. Let's look at Rashi. Rashi says this. Look, there, there are a few problems here. We can't do all the problems, okay? There are things on the sheet I'm not going to read. You'll forgive me. Thank you. What is it? Water. Oh, water. I thought it would be at least a little scotch. I mean, scotch makes a difference. What does water do? Okay, you ready? Look at Rashi. See, Rashi's on the left-hand part of the top of the page. Rashi says, Sgulai. You see the fourth line in the Rashi? The Rashi is printed in Rashi script, which has also gone out of fashion since Art Scroll came along. But there used to be, people used to learn our Rashi script. There used to be something interesting. Rashi says, Otsar Chaviv. The word Otsar means a treasure. A treasure, Otsar. Chaviv means beloved. Now, where did Rashi get that from? <laughs> huh? Excellent. Excellent. So you know how it works. You figured it out. And then he quotes another pasuk. And then he says, skip to the next line, kli yakar, right, a dear uh, a vessel, an expensive vessel, avanim tovot, uh, jewelry, jewels, what? Precious stones, okay. Shamlachim gonzim otam. The kings put them away in their treasure trove. Now, what difference does it make to me in understanding the pasuk, what the kings do with their treasures? I mean, what is Rashi saying that God does as the kings do? And what kings is Rashi talking about? Charlemagne or something? Some kings running around in Germany in the medieval, medieval ages. Which kings are doing this? And who cares? It's enough for me that God declares that B'nai Yisrael will be the treasured of heaven. Why do we have to go into this, you know, this stuff that Rashi is, is bringing to the fore? <coughs> Kach. Kach. Similarly, Atem Tiyuli Skulabi Sharomot, you, Bene Yisrael, will be a treasure more than any of the other nations of the world of the world. Velotomru Atem Livatchem Sheli Veenli Acherim Imochem. Wow, 
Listen to what Rashi is saying. The words. You will be my treasure from amongst all of the nations. Right? In other words, sounds like you're saying something important about B'nai Yisrael. But Rashi goes on and says, uh, so you're the treasure. But in order for you to be the treasure, they've got to be the less treasure. After all, treasure, Rashi points out, is relative. You can't have a treasure if everything in the world is, act- is all the same. So what makes B'nai Yisrael treasured? The fact that every other nation in the world is less treasured. So, the Pasuk says, you will be for me a treasure from amongst all of the nations. That because of all the nations who are less treasured, B'nai Yisrael will be a greater treasure. Is that clear? So that skula is a relative accolade, according to Rashi. In other words, you, the nation of Israel, are a treasure. But what makes you a treasure is the fact that none of the other nations is a treasure. That's what, that's what Rashi, uh, Rashi said. And then he adds, Omar Yeshli Od, it was Rashi answered the first part. Again, the first question we had was, what was Sugula? And Rashi says, Sugula means a treasure. What does a treasure mean? Mikol Amin, from amongst the nations. They must compare this to that, it's a treasure. Now Rashi is left with explaining to us the last clause in the verse. The last clause of the verse is, Keenly call Haaretz because for mine it mine is the land, the entire land. Remember, and what more is there which will enable this love that a God has for Bnei Yisrael to be noted, to be seen, to be uh, 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 for us to be aware of? Even though God owns everything, everything is God's, all that everything is nothing compared to the treasure which is B'nai Yisrael. This is Rashi. So usually, if you read Rashi carefully, you discover a lot of important things. So what Rashi has helped us to do is to find out what the word skulad means and how the end of the pasuk, the last clause in the pasuk, connects to the prior clause. Now, even though we're making progress by trying to analyze what this pasuk is saying, it would be hard to say that we really understand what's going on. Like, what is the point of God 
making this distinction in creation. All the land is God's creation. All the nations are God's creation. Of course, I would say that if B'nai Yisrael accept the Torah, that's going to differentiate them. How could you compare them to anybody else? But why does this emphasis be, why is there this emphasis on the unique nature of the relationship of God to B'nai Yisrael, which is called Skula? Which is called Skula. That's what Rashi says. Now, look at the Pritzadik. The Pritzadik is on the back page. The obverse. The obverse. The Pritzadik. The Pritzadik. Batsodok HaKohen Milublin. Batsodok HaKohen Milublin is called Sodok because that was his name when they at the Bris Mila. HaKohen, he was called Kohen because his father was a Kohen. And Milublin because he was the Rebbe in Lublin, which is a city in Poland. Ratzodok was a Talmud of Ishbitz. Ishbitz? Well, if you go to Hippieville, you know, you go to, like, you know, those young people who like to float around Judaism, you know, so they have, like, buzzwords that turn them on or turn them off. I don't know what it is. One of those buzzwords is Ishbitz. You say Ishbitz, you hold up a little flag, Ishbitz, they all come. They all come. Rav Tzodek was the great intellectual who became Rebbe after the previous Rebbe was a little older than he was and it was a friend of his. They were Talmidim. And that's the Torah Semitz. The previous Rebbe was called, in Lublin, was called the Torah Semitz. His name was Rav Leibola Eger. Rav Leibola Eger was the grandson of Rav Akiva Eger. I, you know, I'm telling you this because it's really very interesting. Akiva Eger was the greatest misnaget of his time. Now, you know what a misnaget is? A misnaget is somebody who won't let his children marry Hasidim. That's a misnaget. Rabbi Akiva Eger was the greatest misnaget of his time. And the Hasidim say that his punishment was that his grandson was a Rebbe Rachman So this Rebbe, the Torah Seventh of Legal Eger, was the first Rebbe from the house of Ishbitz in Lublin. When he died, Torah Seventh is the name of his Sefer. He wrote a Sefer in Torah Seventh. When he died, Rav Tzodah became the Rebbe around the turn of the 20th century. <coughs> Rav Tzodok was a great genius and a Baal When he grew up, he was a Visnagid. He just sat and learned Torah. And then he saw the light. That's called a Baal Not like today. First Rav Tzodok, 
was not a chosid. So he learned all of Shas and all the Badli, the Shalvi, the Shulchanah. He learned everything. And then he saw the light. But he already knew everything. So he couldn't take that away from him. He knew everything. And he wrote many, many books. He had this mazel. We have the mazel. That as a Rebbe, apparently Rav Tzodok was a great failure. I was not able to attract many chassidim. Because his drushes were so involved and complicated that they gave everybody a headache. So nobody came. Since nobody came, he had time to write everything down at length. And so his famous book, the famous book is called Pritzadik, Lectures or Discourses on the Torah and the Moadim, the different holidays. That's Rav Tzadok HaKoyim Milubdeh. I want to show you something Rav Tzadok wrote, now that we've learned Rav Something Rav Tzadok wrote, which is from the Rav Tzadok, he wrote it about Shavuos. You know about Shavuos? Shavuos is Matan Torah, Kabbalah Satorah. This parasha called Yisro is about Matan Torah, Kabbalah Satorah. So you know, if you, if you are willing to spend the time to turn the pages a little, and not just look at Yisro, but also look at Shavuos, you might find something interesting. Look at Rav Tzadok. What Rav Tzadok said, it's really good. But you have to put your finger on the text, and I'll translate it as we go along, and then you'll figure it out. And if you want something to do, you can write the little words, like hints, buzzwords that I say, and then you'll be able to follow it. I'm telling you how to do this, right? You recognize those words? That's the posseh that we are talking about. Ready? Upirish Rashi. And Rav Tzadik is learning, like we will learn. Rav Tzadik says, you know what Rashi says about this pasuk? Upirish Rashi. He says, even though everything belongs to me, God says, everything is nothing compared to Bnei Yisrael. That's called Segula. Along comes Rav Tzodek. And he says, V'kasheh. This is Rav Tzodek lived at the beginning of the 20th century. The Jewish people waited 3,000 years for this question. Do you know that? History from Matan Torah until Rav Tzodek, 3,000 years. No one asked this question. He was the first one who thought of it. It's absolutely amazing. Look at the question. He says, Kashe, Marivuta, what's the profit? What do we gain? Sharei, ha'umot mi'anu mi'lekabel ha'torah. He says, everybody knows the Medrash that says that God went around with the Torah to all the people in the world and said, you want the Torah? They said, what's in it? So it says, no, 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 I mean, stealing, that's how we earn our living. Today, <coughs> we might also have trouble accepting the Torah on that basis. 
But, but so God went around to all the nations of the world, and they all refused to receive the Torah. Only the Jews would receive the Torah. And he says, the Israel came to the Torah. So the Israel accepted the Torah. So to say, So he says, he says, what is it that the Pesach is trying to tell? Naturally, the Jewish people are beloved. Naturally, the Jewish people are more significant. Naturally, I mean, after all, it's not just like a kind of an idea, a shot in the dark. After all, the Jews accepted the Torah. And the Jew- people of the world did not accept the <coughs> Torah. I'll tell you. And you know, there are a lot of Hasidic Rebbeim. You know, if you buy these these newspapers, you know, they have these Haredi newspapers, in English, and if you look at them, so they have two pages in the back with pictures of Hasidic Rebbeim, like going to a wedding, or going to Prismila. I look at that every week. And without fail, they have pictures of a Rebbe that I never heard of. It's amazing. Where did all these Rebbe's come from? But there's only one Rebbe in the history of Hasidus who was called HaYehudi HaKadosh, the sacred Jew. Only one. It was a Talmud of Simcha Brina and broke away and had his own ideas about what to do. His name was Yisrael Yankov Rabinovich. That was his name. But everybody called him Ayyhudi HaKadosh. And if you want to know why they called him Ayyhudi HaKadosh, I guess he had something. But there's something there. So he says, Omrim B'Shem Ayyhudi HaKadosh. Zatzal. They say the name of this Hasidic Rebbe. Shepirish Lashon Skula who explained the word skula. Remember we started out with that question of what skula is. And Rashi said it's a treasure. And we said that Rashi learned that from art school, right? And shuhu kimo skula below shumta. He says, no. The Yehudi HaKodesh said, you don't understand the pasuk. The pasuk doesn't tell me something obvious. Obviously, God will love B'day Yisrael because they accepted the Torah. And all these other guys did not accept the Torah? No. The Pesach says that if you keep the covenant B'day Yisrael, then you will be God's favorite without any comparison. Not compared to anything. Not, uh, not better than. Not higher than. Not closer than, no than. That's what the Yehudi HaKadosh said. And along came the Pritzadik, and they tried to explain what the Yehudi HaKadosh meant. So he said, he says, this is what it means. Hainu. Achar she'etablu ha-Torah. After B'nai Yisrael accept the Torah. As then... V'yitem li k'mos gula. 
You, B'nai Yisrael, will be to me, God, like a treasure. What does that mean? What does that mean? Afim chas v'shalom. Even if, heaven forbid, yekalkelu, they will mess up. B'nai Yisrael will mess up. In other words, what did the Yudhi HaKodesh bothered by? He says, if this whole pulsar is a relative statement, these are better than those. What happens to you in a period of history when it looks like those are better than these? Oh, what's going to happen? The pulsar of the Torah is going to disappear. Because you have these and those. And all of a sudden, and then he goes on and he says it with Beirush. He says, I'm sorry. The first word on the line is Vishalom. They'll mess up. And they will be exiled amongst all the other nations, as we know happened. So you mean we're still a treasure? We're still the best? And then he says, You remain mine. But without any rationale, it doesn't matter what happens in history. The skula for B'nai Yisrael remains. He says, everybody knows that Esau and Yaakov are brothers. Brothers meaning, sometimes one is good, sometimes the other one is good. Even though Yaakov sometimes acts in a strange way. Or in Esav, sometimes Esav looks like Yaakov. So if it was a relative statement, it would be problematic. Like Yaakov. Uh, even in exile, we remain in Am Segula. God loves us amongst all of the nations. And so there's another world of Jewish history. The reason that the Jewish people are exiled, of course they're exiled as a punishment, but there could be other punishments. They could suffer disease and sickness. Why are they exiled? Why are they exiled? He says, because the land is mine, God says. Rashi says, it's true that the exile of B'nai Yisrael amongst the nations was a punishment, is a punishment. But there's a certain advantage that God reaps from this exile. Because the Jews, wherever they go, bring their inheritance with them. Bring the tradition with them. And it's not possible for the nations of the world to be unaffected by all of this. So that God says to B'nai Yisrael, okay, you know, you're going to get the Torah. That's great, but I want you to know that when you get the Torah and keep the brick, the covenant, 
you are going to have a special status in the world. And that status is called Sgula. And what's special about that is that it's not relative to anything. Whether you are up or you are down, whether things are going for the Jewish people or not going so well for the Jewish people. In either case, Rav Tzodek says, Israel are a skula. So things are going good and we're all living in Eretz Yisrael and everything's great and, and, and modern Jewish history is a vindication of our existence. That's great. But if we're living in the diaspora and we're being punished by a Kodesh Bohu for past indiscretions, we're still skula. There's something special about what we bring to the table, about what we impress upon the rest of the world. So according to Rav Tzodek, this is an entirely new idea that is brought here into the discussion between HaKadosh Baruch and B'nai Yisrael as though God says, you know, you might be punished, but the punishment will be chosen so that the skula of B'nai Yisrael will be able to affect, effect the nations of the world and create over time the necessary change. And you know that the Rambam said at the end of Luchot Mulachim, the Rambam was not a Chassidish Rebbe, Maimonides. He said at the end of Luchot Mulachim, he said, he said, you know, our job, I mean, I'll paraphrase it. If you want to look it up, you can look it up. It won't say exactly what I say, but it'll mean what I say. We all know that B'nai Yisrael has a as a, an objective to kind of bring certain values to the table so that all the people in the world should know the values of the Torah. And we know that Avram Avinu did it and Yitzchak Avinu did it and Yaakov did it. I mean, that's what they did. They, they taught people that, that God means awareness and that that awareness demands certain kinds of response. That's what a brocha is. That's what birkat habazon is. But it comes from awareness. So the Rambam says, you know, you see in history, we didn't really have time for all that. Because after all, all the Jewish children are learning Torah. I mean, they're sitting and learning Torah. So are they going to go and talk to people in the street? And they say to them, I learned the Pasuk and Chumash, and he's Rashi. I learned the Mishnah, and he's the Gemara. We, we didn't have the time, we didn't have the language, because we're too involved in what I would call high-level investigation of Torah. What can we do? We're going to stop? We're going to stop learning Torah and learn to run around and find people in the street and explain to them our value system? We can't do that. So he says, in history, in history, what happened? Christianity, the Rambam says this, not me. Christianity, what happened in history? Islam. Christianity and Islam, the Rambam says, I didn't say you could go into a church. Didn't say that. But the Rambam said that Christianity and Islam spread the word of the Torah to millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions, endless. All they want to do is spread a couple of words. They don't want to say to learn tomorrow. 
Probably the Christians, the Muslims. So, so that the influence of the Skula of Am Yisrael has been, according to the Rambam, extremely powerful in history. And that influence existed when the Jews were in Eretz Yisrael and even when they were exiled and sent out of Eretz Yisrael as a punishment for their prior indiscretions. So we've sort of learned what the word skula means and how it connects to ki li kol ha'aretz. I think that, uh, you know, people are always looking for lessons. And so what should I do? What should I do, Rabbi? How can I fix something? Am Yisrael, you know, the Jewish people, is identified by the fact that they stubbornly accept the tradition from the previous generation and they pass that tradition on to the next generation. This has been the stubbornness of the Jewish people for thousands of years, all the years that we're aware of ourselves. That's who we are. We don't really have a choice because there's no other meaning for the word skula. And today, since Rabbi Yeshua ben Gamla, those of you who remember, today that means the education of our children. We can't do it ourselves. We can't teach our children what we would like to teach them. And we can't ensure that the children will receive the tradition intact. But we can send them to schools where this is the primary concern. And while it's true, I remember when I was growing up, when I was growing up, which was a long time ago, my parents, Sichonam Livracha, were European. You know, European, you know, that means that they didn't speak English so well. <laughs> That's what it means. And when they, and, and uh, it really got very bad when my parents, my father, especially Zechariah Rocha, insisted on speaking to me in English. Because as long as he spoke to me in Yiddish, I was able to learn English from people who knew how to speak English. <laughs> well, he started speaking to me in English. It was almost hopeless. But he said, we've got to speak English because we've got to make it in the new world. We've made it in the new world. We, all of us, the Jewish communities, the Jewish people, we've made it in the new world. And now we can like relax a little bit and make sure that the next generation is educated not as well as we were educated, but as well as we can dream about education. That's our responsibility. And if they give me then a few other little things on the side, on the rock, you may, uh, you may realize that when, you know, at the end of the, at the, end of the, of the, of the route, you end up learning something and not everything. So, if you start out learning a lot of Torah, it becomes a skula, a treasure that you could pass on to the next generation. 
This room, I mean, I don't know a lot of the people here, but in this room there are two people who I happen to know who are very concerned about Jewish education. They've done a lot for Jewish education in, uh, in um, Milwaukee. You know who they are, and I know who they are. And I think everybody should vow to take advantage of the effort that was put into the creation of real Torah schools here in Milwaukee and insist on sending their children and any other children that they know about to those schools because Torah is not a specialty. It's not like, you know, the Catholic families. They have one guy in the mafia and one guy is a murderer and one guy is a priest. You know, so, so when things go, when the mafia guy makes money, he gives it to the priest. And when the mafia gets, the guy gets shot, so the priest comes and gives him last rites. We're not like that. We don't, we, that idea never occurred to us. For us, Torah is the treasure. And you've got to get it in order to pass it down. And everybody has to pass it down. Because the children, as you know, look to their parents for direction, sometimes over-direction, sometimes covert-direction, but they look to their parents more than they look to their teachers, more than they look to their rabbis or other kinds of mentors. So the parents have to be committed to the idea that Am Yisrael, that the Jewish people is special, is different, is unique, because they have this democratic idea about Torah. It's for everybody. Everybody can learn Torah. Everybody can grab the Torah. Everybody can pass on the Torah. I wish you all well. Have a good Shabbos. All the best. <laughs> Thank you very much. I just wanted to thank all of you for being here this evening. I also wanted to mention that uh, Robin has your site for her father, and we hope that this evening's lecture would be Le'ili Nishamos uh, Eliezer Ben Usher. I should have remembered that. Um, I, I hope that all of you uh, have seen some of the things that Robin and I enjoy from Rabbi Bobinder's uh, Sheeran, and uh, it would be our greatest pleasure to introduce any of you to him personally. So thank you all for being here.